This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for February the 26th, the Tuesday. I'm your host, D.A. Certainly there's been plenty of jokes made at the Patriots owner's expense, but there's also some legitimate questions to be asked about Robert Kraft and the future in the NFL for him and ownership of the New England Patriots. There has always been, as we've noted here on Around the Dial before, this upcoming wait and want and watch on when Jonathan Kraft, Robert's son, takes over the day-to-day operations of the Pats. It has been assumed that this was inevitable over the next couple of years, but is it possible that this scenario forces it to unfold even quicker? CBS Sports, NFL insider Jason LaConfora joined Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Say he was guilty of a misdemeanor of what he's charged with right now, some people say he should step down. Doesn't that seem a little bit extreme? I mean, I, he's 77 years old, and that whole thing is set up to be Jonathan Kraft at some point and yeah. has been for quite some time, and that secession plan is widely known within that building and around the league. Um, could this hasten that? It, it, it perhaps could. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I, I have uh, you know, I have insight into Robert Kraft because other than his lawyers, I don't think he's talking – about this with anybody right now. Um, I, I would just say that anybody who's looking for a swift resolution to this, even if his legal situation is, is cleared up by, you know, I guess he's got a court date April 24th, or even if they resolve it before then, you, you know, the history of the NFL with these issues will tell you that the league um, is incredibly methodical and takes its time and waits to see if anything else comes out. And when you, when you go seven months between playing meaningful games, um, and especially this is an owner who isn't going to be involved in OTAs, you know, who isn't, I mean, it's not like he's picking the players in the draft, especially when you're picking 32nd overall. Um, so it, it's not like there's a whole lot that you're going to strip him of until we get to the regular season. And if you tell him he can't be in his building and he can't be at games then, then, you know, okay, that's a suspension. But what are you going to suspend him for in June? So I, I, I don't think we'll hear anything close to a resolution on this for for probably several months. Where's Antonio Brown going to end up? I, I mean, it could be the Saints. It could be Tampa. It could be the Seahawks. Um, I know the, the Eagles are, again – whether he whether he makes sense for them at the end of the day or not, I don't know. But I guarantee you, Howie Roseman will make some exploratory phone calls. It's, it's what he does, um, and they could use an outside receiver to complement um, 
Alshon Jeffrey, who's had injury problems, and they could say, "Hey, Nelson Aguilar, we're not going to give you that nine million on that fifth-year option. We're going to we're going to use that to pay two-thirds of of uh, Antonio Brown's salary." So I, I would not rule them out. I mean, the Forty ers thing—that's where he wants to be. I can't imagine Kyle Shanahan wouldn't at least make a phone call and see what makes sense. Um, so I, you know, I, I think they'll I think they'll have numerous potential trade partners to talk to this week in Indianapolis. And I think they'll be able to meet their, uh, their goals, which is to get him out of the AFC and to get first-round value for him. That does not mean a first-round pick, per se. It could be a two and a three. It could be a player to two. It could be a lot of different ways where they come out of it feeling like that's the equivalent of a first-round pick. I could absolutely see the NFL as this thing unfolds. If there's any more embarrassing details that come out, I could absolutely see the league encouraging Robert Kraft to subside into the background, to walk backwards behind the curtain and to give the day-to-day operations the visibility of that position to his son, Jonathan Kraft. And Kraft, there's always been this waiting to see when it was going to happen. As we know, Tom Brady is nearing at some point the end of his career and that Bill Belichick at some point is near the end of his coaching career and it was always kind of assumed under hushed tones in New England that when those things happened, it would simultaneously coincide with Robert Kraft handing over the day-to-day operations. Well, perhaps all of that comes to a full circle now in the wake of this story. There's a lot of different storylines to look at, a lot of different layers to look at when it comes to the Kraft situation. But how about putting yourself in the body and the mind of Robert Kraft's driver? Let's listen into the morning show on the fan 93 7 in Pittsburgh with Chris Mack and Colin Dunlap. I still can't get over being the driver in Florida for Robert Kraft. You know why you're going to the massage parlor, quote unquote, massage parlor. That has to be the most awkward job in America because you're driving there, Mm -hmm. right? Then you get pulled over. Yes. As the driver. But first of all, you drive there. He goes, let's say, a, a, are you staying at the house? I don't know. Or are you just a driver? Are you just like a personal assistant guy, right. probably? You just come when called? Right. Watch yourself. Um, <laughs> so you probably are staying at the house as like his personal assistant or whatever, right? And you go and he goes, hey, I want to go to that massage parlor up the street because he lives in Palm Beach County. Right. And you go over there. You know why you're taking this old wrinkly man into that place. Then you drop him off and he goes, hang out in the parking lot for a while. Well, okay. Okay. You know what's going down inside of that place. Hey, you watch watch yourself. yourself. Yes. So that's happening in there. In there. And you're sitting in this $150,000 car, $200,000 car. Right. Like you're not sitting, you're not. You don't have this rental. It's not a Toyota Camry. Yeah, you don't have a Nissan rental. You're in this Bentley that everybody's. And even though that is like saturated with rich people, doesn't that, matter. It's you're still in a, a Bentley, and you're in a little uh, strip, strip mall. mall. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so you're. He's like you're waiting there, just waiting there. You know what's happening inside. Then he comes out, Robert Kraft. What, what is the what's, greeting? What's the first thing? Davy the driver. Right. I just How keep was calling your, him Davy. Davy the driver says. How was your massage? Uh, are, are you, you feeling okay? Are you are you ready to go, Mr. Kraft? Yeah. I mean, I know, he's getting paid a ton of money. Yes. So, like, it is keep your mouth shut money. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. 
But then you pull out of there. You go to leave the parking lot. Watch your mouth again. Right. And you get pulled over by the cops. And it is a typical knock and talk, one of those things, which is they're only, they're not doing it to, they're just doing it to build a case. They want to try to collect some IDs and get you to find out who you are. At any point, if you're the driver, the next day, the Sunday morning, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he probably calls you about, like, what, 1030. Says, hey, Davey, I need you to come pick me up. I want to run to that place again. Do you step out of line at any point and say... No, because you're not doing anything illegal, well, and you're getting paid a lot, well, probably. M- Mr. Kraft, don't you have to be the, in Kansas City in a few hours? You probably do that, but the personal assistant for Robert Kraft, I mean, you might be pulling down 100 100 oh, K a year. You're getting taken care of, absolutely. And so, and you didn't do anything illegal. You just drove the guy to go catch one, you know? And so that's that's what happens. So I guess it's an okay job. But you have to feel weird. When you go, oh. what, what do you put on your tax returns? <laughs> Personal assistant? Driver. What happens when your wife or your mom or your grandma? So, where did you take Mr. Kraft this morning? Well, I took him. We just had some running around to do. That would oh. be my stock like, answer like for the, everything. Like the dry cleaners and, you know, things yeah. like that? It would be my yeah, stock yeah, yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some running around to do, you know? We just had some running around to do. It, but you <laughs> have to be looking in that mirror that is right there, you know, that looks into the back seat. If he right. sits in the back seat, I don't know if he sits in the back seat or the front seat. Probably the front, back seat. It said he got out of the front seat. Oh, he sits in the yeah, front seat. Yeah. I would probably look, just be looking next to me going like, man, this dude, like, this dude's freaky. You offer him some hand sanitizer as no, soon as he sits no, down? I'm just, I'm just keeping it professional and just thinking <laughs> about payday the whole time. Think about baseball, uh, think about payday. Yeah, Just turn the music yeah. up nice and loud. There we go. Time for payday. But it's you know what though, and then a really inappropriate song like the hand it's jive comes. Probably on. a really good job, to be honest with you. Oh, well, he's getting paid, is because you're not gonna as long as you don't out him, you know. As long as you keep a, but wouldn't you want to keep? How about the guy though? Took a like a he's a billionaire. Yes, he took a two hundred thousand dollar car <laughs> to get a hundred dollar. You know what? Like something doesn't match up here. No, none of it makes sense. That that's that's the the whole thing. None of it makes sense. There has to be high dollar women who do that that you can have oh, over to your that yes. play home games. Yes, exactly. You don't have to go on the road. I don't. All the, your the, games should be at the, home. The stupidity in Robert Kraft doing what he did is Cavalier. just immeasurable. Just Cavalier. Uh yeah. That's anything but comfortable. Knowing you're just kind of buying time in the car, waiting, hanging out, just going to get yourself some fast food, soda, sandwich, eat in the car, just kind of wait and wait and wait. Knowing what's going on and waiting and waiting and waiting, especially on the day of the AFC title game a few hours later. Waiting, waiting, waiting. So that's happening in there, in there. And you're sitting in this $150,000 car. You don't have this rental. It's not a Toyota Camry. Yeah, you don't have a Nissan rental. You're in this Bentley. And you're in a little uh, strip, strip mall. mall. Yeah. Right. And so you're. he's like, you're waiting there, just waiting there. In baseball, Bryce Harper still has not signed. It appears everybody knows the Philadelphia Phillies have the biggest offer. But the L.A. Dodgers is really where Bryce Harper wants to sign. So do we have any inside information on what is holding up either end of this deal? Angelo Cataldi on the morning show on WIP in Philadelphia 
says he's got some inside info on a presumed offer to Bryce. The whole deal, Al, hinges on opt-out. Now, why are they interested in the Dodgers? He <laughs> wants to go to L.A. Yeah. If he's not going to get what he wants from here, and there's no other 10-year, $330 million deal on the table, yeah. I'll go short-term with the Dodgers, I'll get what I want for three years there, and then I'll... I'll be well, it makes perfect sense because yep. he'll become a free agent when Trout leaves. Exactly. So he's... he's and <laughs> one other factor I was told that is critical on this, and I want to open yeah. this up. I want to know where the fans on this, because if the Phillies are worried that the fans are going to rebel because he gets an out clause after three, maybe we can solve that problem right here on the show today and say, no, it's fine. I'm going to go around the horn here in a second. The other part of it is in Boris's eyes... Harper would be a free agent again at 29, not 30 or 31 mm-hmm. or 32, which would be the other potential opt-outs. That is very important psychologically to teams bidding. They don't want to bid as much on 30-year-olds and older. It is absolutely essential in Scott Boris's mind. I don't know what Harper's think. I can only tell you what Boris is thinking. It's essential. He had the opportunity to be a free agent again before he's 30. The opt-out clause is the one thing holding this up, ladies and gentlemen. I got the story for you. <laughs> Al, your thoughts? If I'll believe you that that's the case, then that's ridiculous because everybody. The way you said that, you do. Well, but I mean, but, you, but he, I mean, everybody gets an. I mean, how do you not get an opt-out clause in baseball right but, now? No, the the getting an opt-out. It's how many years? It's the year. Oh, the year. The year. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. the killer. Yeah. No, everybody gets an. Yeah, opt-out. everybody gets an opt-out. Machado got one at five, so they want to push it way lower. Right. Yeah. Now I looked this up because yeah. after I got this, I was like, "Wow, Sabathia had a seven-year deal or eight-year deal with New York." Right. Third year, after three years, opt-out. Okay. He used it. They re-signed him. They gave him a little more money. And then now he's even past that, and he's on one-year deals. But he got a three-year opt-out, but it wasn't a 10-year deal. And my my assumption is others have gotten that, too. Right. So teams are fearful that that's what would happen if you're the Phillies. After the third year, the marketplace has gone up to $45 million a year for those type of players. And it'd be too much that he could go out and go somewhere else. That's the only thing Quite holding honestly, them up. Honestly, by then, I'll be honest with you, by then, no one knows three years from now anything that's going to happen. No, right? they don't. But I still have a pretty strong feeling that they're going to have Trout by then. Yeah, well, and then they'd be Trout begging him to opt here out. and Harper leaves, we will shrug. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% right. Right? Yeah. So, Al, if that's the handgun, Al, you have a lot of say on this. People really listen to you. If the hang-up is three-year opt-out, what do you say? Um, I don't have a problem with it because I just do multiple opt-outs. Oh, okay. That's what you have. I mean, that's what they. That's what Martinez did. You do multiple okay. opt-outs. What, you so can, wait a minute. Is so that an option right now for that? give them three years and he can leave? Yeah. That's the key. The, if there's any others, I don't know anything about those. Yeah, they opt, they'll opt. probably right. do a three, a six, six and then, and then a the team. Uh, right. Usually you, you surrender a team off sure. the other right. side of the contract. All right, but normally they're all lopsided toward the player. <laughs> Let's be honest about <laughs> yeah. it. All right? 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Man, if I'm the Phillies, I'm doing that three-year opt-out. If Bryce wants out in three years, fine. It gives me a three-year window to try to win a championship. And maybe if everything is going great and maybe you've won a championship, maybe he'll buy back in for years four through ten. But, yeah, if I'm Philadelphia, I absolutely give him the three-year out. What's the big deal? In fact, I think you want the player to take the opt-out because that means you get his best baseball now, and then don't have to pay him on the back end of that contract. And if he opts in, that just means you get him for the full 10 years that it appears that you've offered anyway. If I'm the Phillies, the three-year opt-out if Bryce wants it is not going to be my sticking point. So in Philadelphia, every sports radio show is breathlessly awaiting what Bryce Harper's decision is going to be. With John Marks and Ike Reese on 94 WIP again in Philadelphia, they're wondering, what's the biggest hang-up right now? Let's listen to MLB insider Bob Nightingale. I guess us here in uh, Philadelphia, we're trying to figure out what's the hang-up, right, as it pertains to the Phillies. They obviously have a ton of money they can spend. They've shown the interest. Have they gone out there? Do you get a sense they've gone out there with an offer that should have blown Bryce away? Or are they just have offered more than anybody else has offered, but it's not yet at the number where Scott and his uh, client may want it to be. Yeah, I don't think it's blown away or else he would have signed it. Okay. Uh, I think they're being smart about this. Okay, is anybody going to beat us? You know, we don't think so. But it's obviously also, you know, Boris and Harper is saying, we want to hit a magical number. It's like Machado. Machado wouldn't even talk to teams until someone was saying, you got to be willing to offer at least 250 So there's got to be some number in mind. You know, it's probably, you know, you're thinking – at least 10 years at 3.30, that would break Stanton's record. So I'm sure if someone comes up at you know, 3.30, you know, the, the deal is done. And I think the only team wanting to do that, I'm not saying they will for sure, would, would be the Phillies. There's a concern here, Bob, amongst the fans that Bryce Harper doesn't really want to play here and the Phillies may be being used uh, to sort of, I guess, increase offers from other teams. Are you hearing anything about Bryce Harper having some type of trepidation about playing here in Philadelphia? You've heard about that, whether it's from Harper himself or the wife or, or what have you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know they were worried at one point just about, you know, the city and everything else and being welcome there. You know, you know as you guys know, Philadelphia being a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe he's a little worried about playing in Washington nine times where, you know, they, they get booed there sort of thing. Uh, you know. And I don't blame him for at least listening to L.A., you know, particularly the, the San Francisco, in the sense, close to home, you're playing for an iconic franchise. But if you're the Dodgers, you just won six straight division titles. You just went to World Series back-to-back years. You had the highest attendance in baseball. So what's Harper, you know, going to do for you? You know, not a whole lot. All right, Bob, gut feeling, is the, the, the Phillies the winner when this is all said and done, hopefully this week? Yeah, I still think that, yeah, that's still my gut feeling yet that, I mean, no one's going to outbid them, and uh, if he's signed there, then you then you have questions like, okay, it, it makes no sense. Uh, you know, didn't want the pressure, the expectations, or what have you. 
you know, it's like Mike Trout said uh, last week. He says, yeah, you play hard in Philadelphia. Um, the fans are going to love you. And you win a World Series there. You're going to be remembered forever. So, you know, you couldn't understand why there would be any trepidation uh, of playing in Philadelphia. And you want those expectations. You know, you don't want to be in places where nobody expects you to win and nobody cares. And, uh, yeah, and you're lost in a, in a market where uh, you're not going to be heard of again. Look, I think it's obvious Bryce Harper doesn't want that heat. He doesn't want that smoke. He doesn't want the criticism that comes with playing in a market like Philly. It's intense. They could boo you. There is scrutiny. I don't think he wants that pressure. I think that's been the whole deal. As we talked about yesterday on Around the Dial, he's been playing in the National League East his entire career. He knows Philadelphia all too well. He plays just down the road in D.C. There's nothing not to know about. And if you go to Philly, you're automatically the favorites in the National League East, a competitive division, but you're definitely the favorites. I mean, to me, it's very obvious. Bryce Harper doesn't want to sign in Philadelphia because he doesn't want that pressure. In the NBA, the Golden State Warriors are cruising and the Los Angeles Lakers are cratering. Back-to-back losses against the woeful Pelicans and now the Memphis Grizzlies and the Lakers are three games out of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference with just 20-plus games to go. And now here's LeBron James calling out the culture that's been there, the losing culture, saying the guys aren't ready and they're distracted by the playoff push. So what is wrong with the Lakers? NBA insider Tim Bontemps joins the sports junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. All right, so we had a discussion about the Lakers, and, and they're a big story in the NBA now because, um, you know, LeBron. they're not good. And they can't beat anybody, and they lose to Memphis last night. Can't lose to Memphis. Right. But um, they've lost, uh, let's see how many have they lost in a row. Like four in a row, or two in a row, but like four of the last six or something like that. So they're they're yeah. not they're not playing well now that LeBron is back and healthy. Um, he's criticizing the teammates uh, publicly. You know, yeah. we, we all know that he was trying to trade a bunch of those guys anyway, and it didn't work Correct. out. Correct. Um, a lot of pressure on LeBron to get this team to the playoffs, but it's going to be very difficult. They're three games out with twenty two to play. That'll be tough to make up. Um, so what do you, what do you make of this? Well, I mean, before the season, I wrote that I thought the Lakers were going to miss the playoffs, and a lot of people went insane and said, "How how could you possibly say that this that LeBron is going to miss the playoffs?" Well, we're seeing how uh, you know the, the the young guys on the roster are not as good as people claim they were. Uh, the the veterans that were signed uh, simply were not very smart signings that didn't fit with the way that LeBron has played throughout his entire career. Um, LeBron himself, you know, last was the only time in his career he's played eighty two games. The Cavs, with similar talent in a much weaker conference, won 50 games. So, you know, the idea that they were just going to turn around and win, you know, 50, 55 games in the Western Conference this year was lunacy, I yeah. thought, from the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, look, this is what we've got now, right? They have – I looked. I just looked it up while I was talking. They've got the fourth-hardest schedule remaining in the league um, over the last 22 games. You already mentioned they're three games back uh, of, the, of the last playoff spot in the Western Conference. They're in 11th place. Um you know, they probably have to go, I would say, a minimum of probably 15-7 and seven to make the playoffs. And they haven't had a single stretch like that, I don't think, all season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it's extremely unlikely that they make it. And, you know, I, I would say that is going to in turn lead to Luke Walton getting fired when I don't really think this is Luke Walton's fault at all. 
Uh, I think the front office did a terrible job over the summer. Uh, you know, LeBron wanted to go to L.A. People give him credit for that. I, I don't really give them much. LeBron was going to go play where he wanted to play. Uh, and, and they, I think, frankly, minimized the rest of their summer in every possible way. Um, you know, they're just, they just don't have a good enough roster to compete. And, you know, you saw that both when LeBron was out, and I think they went 6-12. and 12. And, frankly, you're seeing it now. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that game last night. I was watching some of it. Mm-hmm. The, the Grizzlies in the second half played Joakim Noah, Bruno Caboclo, and Chandler Parsons for, like, 12 straight minutes together <laughs> in the game. Right. Like, they were trying – I mean, they were trying to lose the game. Sure, sure. Without losing <laughs> yeah, the game. Of course. And, I didn't and, even know a couple wait, of those guys were still in the league. <laughs> oh, it's, it's – I mean, they basically aren't. I mean, they, they shouldn't be. I mean, there, there's a reason they're on a team that's actively trying to lose. I mean, it, and, it, you know, it was, it was remarkable to watch just the complete lack of any kind of uh, urgency and energy from this Laker team. And, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got – this was the easy part of their schedule. They had, I want to say in their final 25 games, they had 18 games against playoff teams or 17, and there were three in a row here against Memphis and two against the Pelicans that were not that they had to win, and they've already lost the first two of them. Yeah, so, crazy. I mean, it's, it doesn't look great, to put it mildly. Look, it might be possible that the only thing that's wrong with the Lakers is how they were built. I mean, honestly, look at the roster. LeBron James, over the course of these last eight years, going to the finals every single year, has been surrounded by veterans and three-point shooters. It's how he has gone to all of these NBA final series. Veterans and sharpshooters. And what do the Lakers not have? Veterans and sharpshooters. Yeah, Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo. But those guys aren't consistent enough. They aren't good enough at this point of their career to truly be the type of players that can help carry LeBron James and company to an NBA Finals. Also, you can't expect this team that doesn't have three-point shooters to be the type of team that LeBron has had alongside to knock down the big shot that he creates. Plus, LeBron losing all that time because of the groin injury once again shows that LeBron and this Lakers team right now is kind of a broken match, and nothing is going to be straightened out before the playoffs. Let's face it. And finally, we will end on a lighter note as National Radio Hall of Famer Mike Francesa annually gives us his breakdown of the Oscars. Since it was on Sunday night, we should replay this for you today. It's a tradition unlike any other. Mike's on the Academy Awards. All right, a couple things here. Number one, uh, Oscars last night. I watched the show, almost all of it. Um... I was a little miffed I didn't hit my triple. I hit two out of three. The supporting actor won. The best picture won. Vigo should have won. But I do have to say this. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and Romy Malik was really good, especially the last 25, 30 minutes of the movie. I, I mean, he was. it was a very powerful role. It was a good role. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a good role, and he did a heck of a job. So I, I really thought he was very deserving Anytime you're in a category with Bale, you got to be careful because he's the best actor, I think, in the world. Uh, he's unbelievable. The movie Vice was terrible, though, so I didn't think he'd win. Um, I thought Viggo Mortensen deserved it. When they won Best Picture, they basically said, hey, we don't have this movie without Viggo. So, you know, here's his Oscar. I thought he should have won. He didn't, so it uh, would have been a clean sweep for Green Book, but Green Book did win Best Movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a great movie. 
It really is. It won a great show. I mean, first of all, the, the Oscars is too long. It's, it's just way too long. Secondly, it's just they, they can't do a good show anymore. They don't have a commanding guy to run to run a show who everyone is happy with, you know, and can live with. Uh, you know, everyone can't live with everyone politically. And then, you know, you can, it's just it's terrible. They really killed the thing. Although I thought uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga were good together. You know, I was surprised how well Bradley Cooper, I don't know if he was singing or not, or lip singing, lip singing. I don't know if he was singing or not. I have no idea. But it was a pretty good performance if he was. You know, I don't know if he was or not. I'm surprised how good his voice was, to be honest with you. The movie wasn't any good, though. I saw the movie. It wasn't any good. It was way too long. And then no one knows how to edit a movie. It was way, way too long. Plus, I'm not in love with remakes to begin with. And that's the third shot for that movie. Okay, that's the third time around. So uh, I, I didn't lo- I didn't love it, but uh, you know I thought Lady Gaga was good. I thought she sang well last night. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. Was you know uh, everyone was more interested in that diamond around her neck more than anything else. I mean, you see the massive diamond she had on there, some crazy diamond she had on last night. So, but at least uh, the movie I wanted to win one, which was nice to see. I thought I saw a lot of the movies this year, and it's funny I didn't see any of the movies for the female. Best Actress. Didn't see any of those movies. So I couldn't give you a thought. I thought the lady who won for the favorite, I thought her, her speech was great. Because she just looks like she was so shocked that she won that it was actually, you know, it was uh, endearing. So I thought she did a good job. But uh, I, I thought Green Book was really a, a, one of the better movies I've seen in recent years. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's definitely worth seeing. I, th- I thought it was really good. We are a full-service sports radio podcast, which means not only do we bring you the best in hot sports takes, but also the best in Oscars takes as well. That is the best in your sports talk for Tuesday, February the 26th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. 1 Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 